after the masterpiece that was the Dark Knight and what seemed to this day like his magnus opus in Inception, it seemed like Christopher Nolan could do no wrong. And then he follows these great movies with Interstellar. I gotta be honest with you, I didn't really care for this movie when it first came out. I've asked a good number of people, just regular folks like you and me, not movie fans or studio buffs or nothing like that. I don't even know those people anyway. Or Nolan fans for that fact. I've asked them, hey, have you seen Interstellar? Did you see this film? And it's not surprising that a lot of them have said no. It was only when I got the opportunity to watch it at home that I was able to truly appreciate it, you know? So let's break it down a little bit. Not really get into the whole plot or anything, because, uh, I believe that it's something that you gotta watch for yourself and reach your own conclusions. But let's talk about why I was wrong about Interstellar. So the plot to Interstellar seems to be pretty simple. It's a standard, hell, you know, we gotta save the world sort of thing. And it takes place on an Earth that's dying. A dying planet. It's interesting how it starts. Because it starts with these videos of, and it seems like it's people from back in the day talking about like the dust storm thing that happened in the United States in the 1930s. So if you're not particularly knowledgeable about that sort of thing, it just throws you off completely because you're expecting this film to take place in space. So you know it's going to be about space and to start the film off on a farm with these people in this world that we don't really understand because Nolan doesn't really like explain the world too well. He feeds us little bits of information here and there. It's kind of off-putting. I can totally understand why people at first were like, eh, I don't know. The Dark Knight was this film and then Inception and then The Prestige. Interstellar just seems kind of slow. But that's because it's supposed to be. It's supposed to start slow so that I can push this message of, like, the end, you know? Of how things are winding down and how things have to change. So, like I said, it starts off on a farm of all places with this family just living out the end of their existence on earth i know i say earth wrong i'm never gonna say it right just get used to it now and i gotta just right away tell you one of the reasons why i just completely dismissed this film it's because one it was starring matthew mcconaughey which look man i didn't see mud i didn't see the lincoln lawyer or any of the films where he was a good actor okay the last film i saw with matthew mcconaughey was uh, Sahara, that stupid campy film with Steve Zahn and Penelope Cruz that they were trying to make into like this whole thing and it kind of just fell flat on her face and he came out as this um, protagonist, like the type of protagonist that um you see in those novels, in those books and it's totally like lame because he's trying to be like everything and I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's, it's just, it wasn't a good performance. Um, McConaughey gave it everything he had, but it just wasn't written well. He's never impressed me as an actor. 
up to this point. This film is the one that did it for me. It's the one that showed me that, hey, McConaughey can actually act. He's not just a pretty boy. And the second reason's gotta be Anne Hathaway. Now, I don't dislike Anne Hathaway in any way, shape, or form. Because if you watch Get Smart, that's the best part about Get Smart. It's Anne Hathaway. You know, she does that role right. But she was in The Dark Knight Rises. And to me, her performance in that film is one of the reasons why that film was not as good as it should have been. Now, there's a whole lot of little threads that we can pull off. So we're not going to be talking about that. But she was definitely one of those little threads. So to see those two actors in a film and it starts in a farm and they don't get into space until like 40 minutes into the film. I don't know, man. I can definitely see why people were like, eh, this, this is not for me. This is not my thing. I can see that. I can understand that. But I'm here to tell you right here, right now, that you're wrong. The reason the movie starts so slow, it's because it's trying to show the audience. Oop, I just hit my, I just hit my, um, my mic. It's okay. It's all good. I'll edit it. Or I won't, depending on how lazy I get. But it's trying to show the audience the despair that's just now commonplace. Because humanity has no place to go. And it's interesting how it starts. Because I'm lying my ass off. It doesn't start with these old people talking about dust. It starts with this dream where Matthew McConaughey, he plays a character named Cooper. He's the protagonist. He's flying the ship. And the ship is crashing, there's bells, like, uh, whistling and, you know, alarms and things like that. And he gets up and it's a dream. And from that moment on, we follow his life. We follow the fact that, uh, he's gotta take his kids to school. He lives on this farm. And the conversations that they're having in the background, all, that's all the world building and exposition that we really get from the film. We come to understand that something is happening. And mankind, for whatever reason, just cannot produce enough food anymore. So Cooper, who was once a pilot for NASA, is now a farmer. He's an engineer. He programs these machines. And he's growing food. And the first question that I was asking myself as I'm watching all of this, and in fact, it's the same question I ask myself anytime I'm watching any kind of film, so it's going to come up often, is what is the movie trying to make me feel? Like, I'm watching this. Am I engaged? Am I bored? Am I wishing, come on, man, let's just get into space already, man. I, I don't care about the damn farm. Because that's how I was. Like, the first time that I, was, that I watched it, I'm like, okay, they're chasing a drone, whatever. Okay, the little girl's complaining about her name. Okay, they're at the school and the teacher is being a jerk. I just want to get into space already, man. Let's just, let's just go to space. But that's just me clearly being a dumbass because I'm not paying attention to the setup. Because this is the setup right here, right now. And it's like the most important part of the film. If you don't appreciate that this first part of the film, the first arc, where we see his home life, we see the relationship he has between himself and his daughter, 
and the lack of relationship that that he has with his son nothing that happens afterwards in the film is of any real relevance if you just want to get into space it doesn't matter you know so what is the movie trying to make me feel is that cooper lives a life of quiet despair he doesn't like his job even though it's a fairly respectable job i mean he grows food in a time where there's not enough food so people like him people respect him if he says something you know they're gonna listen to him it's not like he's an artist trying to sing uh trying to sell pictures when you know the end of the world is about to happen no he's an important vital part of this community and he hates it because like all of us he's living a life of quiet despair think about it how many of us really do what we want to do for a living and how many of us just keep a job just to keep a job it's interesting that nolan uses the first part of his film to make a character like cooper who's a nasa engineer so relatable to us i mean he's super relatable because you know he's hey he's like us you know he hates his job he hates the fact that he was born at a time where you know things aren't like the way they are now the importance that we give certain things now is ridiculous and cooper lives in the future where people know that it's interesting that you know that first part of the movie is about 40 minutes because it gives us a good idea of why the rest of the film is important sure enough if you're listening to this then you already know that he has to go into space so he tells his father-in-law donald who's played by john let you know watch after my kids i gotta go there and the interesting thing is he doesn't know when he's coming back he tries to explain this to his little kid um the daughter whose uh name is murphy at least that's what my notes say her name is murphy and uh it's an interesting conversation because it comes up later on i'm not going to spoil it but it comes up later on how parents see the world and how that's relevant to this mission this idea that they have to go out there and find something new and i think that's the second thing that the movie's trying to make you feel is the sense of scale because we get to this point where you know they get into the ship they're out there in outer space they talk about this wormhole because they got to go through it to find these new worlds and it's in these new worlds where they're gonna like start a colony or something watch the film there's more to it i'm just really giving you like a real summary of it but one of the best parts of the film is when they're there at that point at that moment they're about to cross this wormhole and they're gonna go somewhere else and it's not just across the street or another country or another planet it's another galaxy and if you're like me and you understand maybe not understand because I, I don't think any of us can really understand the differences 
the sizes, the, the amount of time, the distance. But if you can try, if you're one of those people that likes to try to wrap your head around the distance and the time it would take and the grandness and how big it is, it just, I don't know, there's this real tense moment there that the first time that I watched it, I think that's the only time that I was really invested in the film. For one, we had left the freaking farm already. No more farm, no more earth, no more stupid planting, no more stupid exposition. That that was my first, my first impressions were that, you know. I don't know what kind of mood I was in, really, when I watched it the first time that I, I just came away with it so impatient. But like I said, I gave it another shot. I was at home. And I was truly able to understand all the little nuances that Nolan was going for. So, as they're about to cross into this deep unknown, there's just this moment. And it's scary. And maybe, maybe you don't feel the same way when you watched it. Maybe you're like, okay, well... Great special effects, the bending of the light, and they made it through okay. But, I don't know, man. For me, that moment was real because it's like, okay, now you're somewhere else. And you're like so far away. Man, you could never get back without that wormhole. So, one of the other things that this movie tries to make you feel Maybe you get it, maybe you don't. It's the sense of scale. Their mission is so important. Find a new home. They sent 12 people out there. Knowing full well they weren't coming back, but they had to do it anyway. So that scale, whether it's saving humanity, or for Cooper, it's just saving his kids, returning to his family, that's there. Those are called stakes. So the movie has weight. Because you know if our characters do this, it affects other people. They have agency. I've been hearing that word a lot lately. I like it. Because um, if a story, if characters in a story don't have agency, if they don't have weight to them, then it doesn't matter what they do. And if it doesn't matter what they do, then why are we paying attention to it in the first place? You know what I mean? So they cross this wormhole and now they're in the vicinity of the black hole and the planets that they're supposed to visit. And again, I'm being very vague because I want you to experience the film. But one of the best interactions that you can have is the interactions that Cooper has with Dr. Brand, um, Amelia, because the first Dr. Brand is uh, Michael Caine. And the second Dr. Brand is Amelia, the daughter. And she's played by Anne Hathaway. And Anne Hathaway, again, shows us in this film that she can act. You know, you put her in the right circumstances, with the right script, and the right people, and she can act. So I don't understand why she was such a letdown in The Dark Knight Rises, I mean, you're playing Catwoman. There's a certain air that you're supposed to have. And I don't know, man. 
maybe it's just me. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, bro, you're crazy. Like, she did it. She she was on it in that film. It's just you. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just didn't like her in that role. Maybe I wasn't a fan of how the movie ended. Um, again, I don't want to get into The Dark Knight Rises too much. I just don't care enough to really review that film. A lot of people have. Go check them out. But. In this movie, she knocks it out of the park. She's great in it. And when we get into characters, like we start to see that a lot of the characters have a point A and a point B. There's real character development. Especially between Cooper and his daughter Murphy. Between Dr. Brand and Amelia. And Dr. Mann. And we're going to get into the characters a little bit later. Um, the summary of the plot is they have to find these new worlds. They go there. Things happen. Does he get back home? Watch the film, man. Why am I going to... I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just, just watch the film. When it comes to character development, we... Again, I've already said Cooper is born in the wrong century. That's something his um, a father-in-law tells him as they're having this conversation. You were born either 50 years too late or 50 years too early. And I like the conversation because even though the situation is bleak, they're still talking about a future. And that's something that we'll talk about more when it comes to the themes of the film. I'm not a big theme guy, but there's definitely an underlying idea throughout the whole of it. So Cooper understands... That this is something he has to do now. He has to be a farmer. But it's not what he really wants. So when this mission literally falls on his lap. That he has to go out there in space. Pilot the ship and find the new home. He jumps on it. And I know that the film uses the excuses that. Oh he's trying to save humanity. He's trying to save his family. He wants to make sure that we continue. At the same time, you can just kind of see him truly enjoy himself. He starts to smile more. He starts to tell, uh, use banter a little bit more. Because, again, you know, he's just not happy with his life. And being put in a position where he can use his actual skills, that's something he wants to do. We see the consequences of him putting himself in this position. When it comes to Dr. Bran, Amelia, she starts off, I don't know, she starts off like, what's the word? She believes optimistically that they can save humanity, that this mission is entirely on the level. And as the film goes on, we find out that's not entirely the case, and we see her growth, her reaction to to the events as they unfold. And is that an ice cream truck in the background? Maybe. Maybe it was. If you hear it, then that's what it is. I can't do anything about it because these damn windows are open and I live in the ghetto and we have ice cream trucks. That's just the thing, you know. Enjoy it, people. Call it an extra a treat to this amazing wonderful review which is not but uh call it an extra treat so 
we see her react very realistically to the weight that's been put on their shoulders and the consequences of her actions as she realistically tries to deal with the situation that they're put in. Because one of the other things that the movie's trying to make you feel, and I know I'm jumping back, but I have to say it, is that the passage of time makes human life, how do I put it, not insignificant, but time is, you know, is time. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't care about us. And as you watch a film, you kind of understand why. Why that is. Why I say that, at least. I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into that. But that's that's the other thing. that just, It's like one of the first things that popped into my head. I was, okay, okay, it's, it's talking about time. Let's just, let's just go with there. I've been praising the film a lot. And for good measure. So let's talk about some of the things that I didn't like about the film. Uh, first and foremost is the length. I know that the film had to get all these different points across. But there are just scenes where I'm like, ugh, I'm just tired. Like, like by, by that point in the film, uh, you just get tired. Um, there's a... Uh, there's moments that could have easily not been in a film and you've been like, okay, fine. You know, I don't want to talk too much about it because it, it would kind of spoil a little bit. But I did say that I wanted to talk about Dr. Mann, who's one of the member. He's a member of the Lazarus missions. Remember a little earlier, I said that they sent 12 people out there to check out the planets. He was one of those people at the end of the film. They meet up with him and he's just crazy and none of what he says makes any sense and he babbles about humanity's survival instinct and at that point i'm just laughing because i'm like eh, i guess the movie nolan felt that he had to give us a human adversary time and the threat of human extension isn't enough we need a human adversary to a human antagonist no we didn't we didn't really need that the only reason dr man is even a thing in the film is because of what he does nolan needed something to happen in space that's my phone can i edit that out i don't know let me say it again nolan needed something to happen in space and so he needed a character to start that chain reaction. And I know that in a lot of stories, some characters, you write them and you think to yourself, okay, this character's starting on this road and he's going to end here. And this one is going to start here and end there. And this one is just, he just needs to do one thing and screw up the entire story. You write people sometimes like that because that's the truth of it. Sometimes a human life has no other meaning than to show us to avoid a certain mistake. We've seen that. Turn on the news. You see that sort of thing. Where people just throw their lives away with one particular action. And that's Dr. Man in the film. Someone who is portrayed to be intelligent. Portrayed to be this uh, self-sacrificing visionary. He's the one who comes up with the idea to visit 
the worlds on the other side of the wormhole. And to save mankind, he inspires people to go after him. Uh, Amelia even goes on to say that uh, he's the best of us. But then you meet him. And I don't know. He just <laughs> he just rubbed me the wrong way. I, I felt like we didn't really need him. But I understand why he was there. I do know why he was there. Um, I can't really complain about anything else really except for the end but we're gonna get to that in a little bit i'll come back to that in a little bit if we start to talk about the themes for interstellar what am i talking about what do we see i guess it has to be what moves us what connects us why we explore why we travel across the stars I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's the thing in the film. If there's an underlying message that the director or the writer had and he's cleverly hiding it for a certain amount of people and you got to be like a certain person in order to understand it, then uh, yeah, he, he did it. He's done it with me. I can't really claim to be really smart and to be able to see those underlying themes Especially if they've gone out of their way to hide it. If you want someone to break it down the way like a teacher would ask us to break something down. Maybe that's not me. I don't know. Sometimes I nail it and sometimes I'll come up with like an insane um, reaction to something. Or an insane theory to something. But one of the things that the film is constantly pushing is an idea that all our characters believe is that we have to fight. We have to fight because as humans, it's almost like we're meant to do that. We have to do that. Dr. Brand, the older Dr. Brand, is constantly quoting this poem that I've liked can't say I've always liked, but I do like because it expresses that, that notion. You know, he says, do not go gentle into that good night. And then later on, when he's talking with Murphy, he tells Murphy that he's afraid of time. And I remember thinking to myself, well, Dr. Brand, we share the same fear. And I think all of us are scared of time. Maybe we don't talk about it because we're so focused on other things. But that's one of mankind's primal fears is time. And that's why everybody's just so obsessed with leaving something behind. And later on, he starts talking about the end of the poem where he talks about, uh, he says, rage against the dying of the light. And I think to myself, well, yeah, that's that's something we all want to do. But very few of us actually do it. Very few of us actually get a chance to to fight back and leave something significant. Is this film something significant? So why did I like it? Why did I like this film? Why am I talking about it? Why am I telling you you should watch it? Even though it's 
almost three hours long, even though it features actors that aren't exactly under the radar but aren't exactly known for their prowess. Why should you watch Interstellar? Well, there's a few reasons why. If you like special effects in space, yeah, this film has got them in spades. Watch it for that reason alone, even if you have to put up with the farming scene. But the reason I spent so much time on that scene is to just convey the idea to you that it's important. Because when they're in space, when Cooper is separated from his family and time begins to play out, if you're not connected to this family, if you don't understand their plight, then, then those scenes just fall flat. So if you like special effects, if you like space, if you want to watch the film for the black hole, do it, go for it, it's great. But one of the reasons why I liked it, me personally, is that it conveys the idea that we're meant for more. And that idea is very common in fiction. The other day, um, there's been a lot of talk lately about Keanu Reeves. He's in video games now. John Wick has been a very successful franchise for him. Considering the fact that a lot of people before it thought that he was basically done as an action star. And of course, when you think about Keanu Reeves, you think about The Matrix. And The Matrix, at least the first one, the good one, the other two were okay too. Not great, but okay. But the first Matrix conveys that idea as well. The idea that we're meant for more. In case of The Matrix, is one person is meant for more. So it plays very much into that whole hero's journey sort of thing. Interstellar tells all of us that we're meant for more. But when we're placed in that situation, in that in those moments, when we're placed just in jobs, most people just work, most people just live. So many of us live lives of quiet despair. And I don't know who said that, but I like it because it's true. It's absolutely true. You go to work, you come back from work, you sit your ass down, you watch Netflix until you fall asleep, then you get up and you do it again. Or you come back from work, you sit down, you turn on the PS4 and you spend five hours talking with your friends and uh, there's nothing wrong with those things. But where are you going with that? What are you using your time with? I mean, we only get one chance, right? One opportunity? Many of us never even look for it. We never look for that escape. So the film postulates that and it hides it in, on the, uh, it hides it with this grand adventure of going somewhere else. So I think that's cool. I liked it because it's a very common theme, but it's a good theme to present to us, especially nowadays. One final thing though is the ending. You get to the ending of Interstellar. Not the end end, but, you know, the climax of the film. And I don't want to give it away, especially if you haven't seen it. I know a lot of people were like, okay, what the heck? I mean, it's not that hard to understand. They spent the entire film talking about time as a dimension. So if you're paying attention to it, you kind of get it. He explains it again. But I can understand why some people were left feeling like it was a cop-out. Especially when it 
kind of calls back to a conversation between Cooper and Amelia when, when they're talking about love. I don't want to get too much into the scene. You watch it for yourself and you judge it for yourself without me telling you anything. Personally, and I know I just said I wasn't going to tell you anything, but I'm going to anyway. Personally, it works. Um, it works. I wish that I could elaborate more, but if I did, then I really would be planting a seed. You wouldn't be able to watch it and judge it for yourself. You know, the movie doesn't pull that, you know, from nowhere. It kind of establishes that there are sensations, objects, ideas that transcend time and space. Would I recommend this film to you? I better. I mean, I just spent almost 40 minutes talking about it. So yeah, I'm recommending it to you. There's a few caveats. If you're not a fan of long films, maybe you shouldn't watch this. If you're feeling somewhat impatient, maybe you shouldn't watch this movie. If you're the type of person that prefers action or comedy, maybe you shouldn't watch this. And I know that I'm making it sound like the film is horrible, but it's just not that type of movie. You know, Inception didn't have a lot of comedy, but it was still a great film. It had action, sort of, but it just made you think. And that that's what Interstellar does. At the end of the day, it makes you think. It makes you think about things that maybe you don't spend your days thinking about. I'm pretty sure you don't get up, and as you're driving to work, you're thinking about how a black hole works. I'm pretty sure you're not washing dishes or... Typing away at your keyboard in your little cubicle thinking about special relativity. And about how time is affected by gravity. Pretty sure you're not thinking about that sort of thing. But when you watch Interstellar, you're presented with these concepts. And they're explained well. I mean, the science behind it is real in the sense that, you know, most scientists agree to how it works and why it works, we don't know how. I mean, gravity still a thing people don't truly understand, but hey, thank God it works, right? And uh, black holes just kind of boggle the mind, but they're there. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, someone took a picture of the first black hole, and I thought that was cool. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. But um, I'm pretty sure most of you have seen it by now, the picture of the black hole. That's cool, especially when, when you hear the story behind the picture, the effort that went into getting the data, and the fact that they couldn't even send it over the internet, they had to use planes. That was, that was wild. The film makes you think, and I think that's enough. This isn't Nolan's masterpiece. I've read plenty of uh, reviews, seen plenty of videos where people talk about how, oh, well, this film was great, and, uh, you know, Nolan surpassed himself yet again. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't think this movie's better than The Dark Knight. I mean, people are going to be talking about The Dark Knight forever, you know? As long as people are interested in superheroes and in intriguing storytelling engaging characters the twist and turns of it all the tension as long as all these things are still relevant when it comes to storytelling we'll still be talking about the dark knight the ending to inception is something that people are still arguing about when did that film come out that was years back and people are still arguing about that 
Uh, when people watch it for the first time, they're still left wondering whatever he was trying to go for in that film. It worked because we're still talking about it. Interstellar probably doesn't reach those levels, but it's not by much. Anyway, go watch the film. If you haven't seen it yet. What are you doing listening to me? Go watch this film, then judge it for yourself. I'm just here because I wanted to tell you that Hey, I, I'm human, just like you. I make mistakes all the time. That's why I mostly use pencils, because, you know, they have erasers, and you can go ahead and erase it. And even though you erase it, your mistake is still there. There's something to that as well. Most people only like to talk about their victories whenever they're right about something, whenever they achieve something but uh and this is actually becoming more um prevalent i wonder if that's the correct word i'm gonna just go with it you you correct me later but most people are realizing that it takes a lot of failure to succeed and uh yeah we can be wrong i was wrong it's not the first film i've been wrong on there's plenty more and i'm definitely gonna talk about those other films that i've been wrong on as time goes on but i wanted to talk about interstellar because I like that I was able to see the importance of this film. I don't know if that makes sense. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot. You guys stuck around. If you're still listening to my madness, good for you. We're trying things a little bit differently. No more scripts, more like notes, and uh, just going for whatever comes to my mind, whatever I deemed important. That's what I'm sharing with you guys. So hopefully using this more um, improvisational method, I'm able to just push out content quicker to you guys. That's what we're trying to do here at ABR. As our journey continues, may you guys uh, continue to support us and be here and hopefully you guys enjoy too.